It's that vocal fry. Welcome to Girls Talk Comics. Welcome. I'm Erin, your master of mediocrity. And I'm Jessica, the lieutenant of literature. And we're here to discuss what would Diana eviscerate. Uh, Wait, no. It's Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Never mind. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't read that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not entirely sure if somebody would publish that. Um, I mean, like, I feel like they did. That's true. Spoilers. No spoilers, I guess. I did not know what I was getting into. Can you sum it up? Because I'm, like, having a hard time summing up the what exactly happened in this comic. I mean, like, I know what happened, but, like, I have feelings. So, like, I feel like I can't be objective. I can totally give the plot. I got you. Cool. Okay. Wonder Woman Dead or Earth is a story by Daniel Warren Johnson, who also did the art. Colors are by Mike Spicer. Lettering was by Russ Wooten. And just as a reminder, Wonder Woman was created by William Moulton Marston. For anybody who has not read this book, the description summary of the plot will have spoilers. It is in an apocalyptic setting. Some great fire has destroyed the world. And after these monsters started to show up across the land and just kind of wreck human beings. At the start of this series, there is a group of humans who are out scavenging and they get attacked by a monster, but also completely accidentally stumble upon the kind of protected body of Wonder Woman. So she comes out and she's like, hell no, monster, don't kill humans, and saves them. But she is considerably weaker than she was before and she also has no memory of how she got there or what happened before. She's immediately hit with the time difference because they, when they walk out of where they found her body and she gets a bit of the story of how the world came to be, she finds Bruce Wayne's remains and that they have been in his mansion, uh, which is a place totally not on the maps, which is as one should expect because it's Batman. She then pairs up with the humans, goes on to try to be their savior, but it's totally this like Mad Max situation where uh, the group of humans like betray her and are like, we're going to turn you in as our prize because we need to be able to get food and we're in a very tightly controlled scenario where you can't get food unless you bring back a prize to the chief guy. And the chief sees Diana and is like, this is going to be one of my wives. And Diana's like, hell no. <laughs> she then, because of her goodness and her extreme strength and, you know, God level powers that are weaker, eventually takes over this group. She meets Barbara, I believe is Tiger's name. I think anyway, so. she, she meets her. She's mutated. She's angry. She's been experimented on by humans. It's really, really dark. They were adding different tiger leopard body parts to her. So now she has a hand that's actually a head of a wild cat. It's really messed up. And she's been used as a gladiator kind of character to fight against her will against other monsters, against other humans. And so she's just like mad and angry and tortured which her unwillingness to be there for the human race completely justified for that. Diana, though, 
when she takes over, it's like, I'm going to get all of these humans to a safe place and it's going to be Themyscira. I'm going to get them to my island. We're going to get up with the other Amazons and it's going to be safe and prosperous and humans will survive. So she uproots them. They get, they suffer extreme losses and make it to the coast where she goes off with a small group of humans to check out the mascara and kind of reach out. That's where the story gets really messed up. You learn a lot more. And I, you know what? I think I'm going to try to, at this point, refrain from a lot of the spoilers. But you learn a lot more about what happens to Diana and what happened by Diana prior to Diana's body being preserved in the world ending. There were nuclear weapons. There was the death of Superman. I guess that's a spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> there was this utter lack of faith in superheroes and there was a moment where bruce wayne batman has to make a greater sacrifice in order to save the day later and from then on it's diana having to wrestle with the reality of the situation what she did what she didn't do and redeem herself in a rather spectacular in my opinion, fight scene. But it does yeah. end semi-well with an opportunity for humans to regrow and prosper and uh, reestablish a safe hold on the world, I guess. Is that a pretty good summary in your opinion? Yeah. There were a lot of cool things that this comic did with the Wonder Woman story arc. Like, I don't know how traditional it is, but the tale of stealing blood from all of the gods to mix with the earth was kind of fun for me. Like, Ha. Like, <laughs> this is kind of like a fun little explanation for why she's so fucking strong canonically. And kind of, it makes the bracers make more sense. Like, if somebody is so OP'd that way, the bracers are less an act of submission, but more just like a way to interact with the world without destroying things, you know? Like, right? I think I yeah. like that take on the character much more, you know, and her empathy mm -hmm. and everything. Like, this is probably one of my favorite ways that Wonder Woman has been handled. And I also kind of hate it. Like, I also oh. really didn't like a couple of the things that they did with the Amazonians. I didn't like sort of the big reveal, you know, like the the first big reveal, not the second big reveal. I like the second big reveal. Like, I did. Mm -hmm. Can we just... I don't know. Like, this is hard to talk yeah. about without yeah. saying it. Let's let's just say what it is. The the giant monsters, the first reveal, I think, is who the giant monsters are, right? Yes. Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah. Yeah. The giant monsters are the Amazons, warped by yeah. nuclear weapons and hate. You know, like, I hated that. I hated everything about that. I really don't like... I don't know if it felt authentic enough to me. I don't know... Like, maybe I'm not seeped in the lore enough. Like, maybe the Amazonians do have a history of being real. I mean, like, as far as I knew, they were just sort of insular, but they weren't really, like, aggressive. And to, like, make them be the bad guy before you see them interacting with the world was real, like, stark for me. Like, I was really, like, not, my suspension of disbelief got kind of stuttered there a little bit. Like, I, I was just like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> you know, because I feel like Wonder Woman's compassion came from somewhere. And I don't think that the Amazonians who raised a compassionate Wonder Woman would be hate-field bigots. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is 
a portrayal of feminism being kind of thrust upon the Amazonians. And it has been. I know other dealings with that have made them very man-hating. You know what I mean? Like, I I get that. Mm -hmm. But also, I, I think that their situation, in order to justify the compassion of Wonder Woman feels much more authentic to me if it's a situation where it's we just built this place where we can feel safe as a community and like work on ourselves and be strong women because the gods are shit heels you know <laughs> like the gods are easy to blame for a lot of things like you can still have them be against something right like but i don't think that men this human human being men like i don't feel like that's it chief like they're they're so weak compared to the amazonians that doesn't make any sense so like having them kind of mimic yeah. second wave man-hating feminism feels like real boring to me and then to have that be like oh humanity as a whole you know like evil yeah you know like i just didn't like it i mean i understand we as like denizens who protect the world but yeah something like there was a misstep there somewhere in my brain that caused me to just completely disconnect from it at that point. And not that I hated the whole story or whatever. I really did like this, the, the third arc, the final, you know, like reveal and what Wonder Woman did about it. But that Amazon bit in the middle, like really threw a wrench in what I was dealing with, with this story. And I was so kind of infuriated because of how gloriously beautiful the premise of it was and the art of it was. It just so, god damn it you know like why yeah why did you do this i think the first time i read it i read it differently than the second time for our recording the first time i read it i thought the hate was justified like the toxicity in their transformation was justified because they were so distant and absent and diana was trying to make peaceful integration right like she they were trying to just be like we're extending a hand in peace and then mankind was like now nah, we're gonna launch nukes at you and yeah. you know that that was the first time i read it and i was like yeah that's messed up and it still <laughs> is messed up like don't get me wrong yeah. but in the second time reading it i did pick up on the fact that they were pretty antagonistic from the start and i think in other iterations that yes the Amazons have been pretty staunchly against interacting with the outside world. That's pretty canon. I mean, but like, I did think that there was a level of almost insanity to Hippolyta. Yeah. In some of the words, like there was just, there was an extremeness to it. And I was like, yeah, what happened from between the gods and Hippolyta was not explained in this series. It would have probably taken a few more issues to go through it, but to be so traumatized and betrayed that you drug all the gods, steal a little bit of their blood, and then make one warrior child in order to stand up against them. It had to be something pretty severe, I think. Mm -hmm. And due to the immortal nature of the creatures, you probably hold a grudge for a very long time. There's no reason to change emotionally in a short period of time because you live forever, right? Like, mm -hmm. if one is immortal, why would one have to change? That's a different thought process. So... No, but I want to talk about that for a second Be because okay. because I hate because I think maybe that's part of it too is I hate that way that immortals are portrayed like as never ending, never changing creatures. Like even if you don't have some big terrible thing that you have to work on, like a massive trauma, 
right? Like, mm-hmm. I think this, we, we had an uncaptured conversation earlier where I kind of mentioned how I hate passing on generational trauma with the morality being implied that holding on to things is good and means that you care. And if you don't hold on to things forever and ever, amen, you are a bad person who didn't actually care about the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is 100% how those ice cold, never changing immortals are. And I don't feel like that's legitimate. Even if you don't actually actively seek change, your days are not so route that small changes don't happen. And those small changes for an immortal would lead to a lot, a lot more than it would for human beings. And it already leads to a lot in the short lives of human beings. And I don't buy into this human beings are special because of the shortness of their life. A lot of people don't even focus on that. They don't choose to register that because of how existentially horrific it is to them like no like even if you choose to pretend like you're going to live forever small things change your day and your life and your perspective every day so the idea that these immortals human beings are living up to 100 years yeah our lives are a lot longer than we think they are like it's yeah i i guess i'm jaded by all of the vampire shit that i read growing up but it's like oh you don't understand how bright your lives are because of how quickly they burn out and all of this bullshit and it's like ugh, no no i refuse to accept this as canon like they are changing they've probably changed like the democratic party has changed you know like every once in a while there's just a decade flip and then all of a sudden they go for the bad guy to the good guy or the good guy to the bad guy or the good guy to the corporate shit heel, you know, like whatever. Like, like I don't. And then get think stuck as the corporate shit heel. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry. I went on a little bit of a rant there. Even if they're pocketed and refuse to like look at the big things that need changed, their ideas and stuff will change just because that's the nature of time and growth. Oh, yeah. Um. I can't disagree. I just, it is kind of interesting, like in this further conversation, you're, you're just like so upset with the trope. You're like, fuck this trope. I am. I never want this trope again. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) In the context of the trope, it's legitimate. But like, I, I, I agree with you though. Like, you don't have to. I'm sorry. I just bullied you a little bit there. No, 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 no. You're you just made me realize some of my problems with it and kind of reflection. Like the theme of the immortal, right? I interview with a vampire. All right, these vampires uh-huh. are chilling, and they're totally stuck in like 1700, 1800 style. I don't know if they could be Marie Antoinette, they would. But then it's the 20th century. Like, did you just not pay attention to the fact that the 80s happened or the 60s? Yeah, or the 90s. Like, were, were you just moping, stuck in this Byron era romanticism that you were just like, I'm going to stay in this castle alone? Like, you didn't go out hunting and be like, man, there's a lot of people out at night. Like, you didn't notice any of the fashion <laughs> changes or the lingo for even just your survival. You think somebody wouldn't look at your clothes and be like, I'm going to ridicule the hell out of this person. Sure, you could mercilessly destroy them and you probably do. But at some point, don't you think there might be a witness who's like, yeah, there was some guy dressed like Shakespeare running around or like King George or whatever. Like, Also, clothes deteriorate no matter how well you take care of them. So no matter how immortal you are, your clothes are not. Yeah, they would have to so, be buying like something from a tailor. 
Like, there's somebody who's like, yeah, there's this guy who just really wants this old era clothing and stitch patterns and pays a shit ton of money. Even that, like, just because you live forever doesn't mean you make good investments. Where's the bankrupt <laughs> vampires betting against oh my Apple? God. Anyway, Amazons aren't vampires. They live on an island. They no. probably have no economy. So yes, those critiques that's true. aside, <laughs> there's magic. So their clothes last forever because magic. But for them to go straight from Grecian warriors to slavering eco-terrorists in like two days, you know, like, okay, two decades. But I mean, like, like for immortals time scale, it's not very doesn't take very long for them to just completely lose their fucking lid about humanity and like yeah sure but like wonder woman's getting stuck in the middle of that i feel like sure okay she doesn't remember any of that but watching her do it in the middle like just sort of like yes mummy like no that would not be what wonder woman one of the smartest strategicians like i just don't i don't buy the fact that she's stuck in this like no yes of course mummy until until the big reveal happens and you find out that her mom's a monster. You know what I mean? Like, she probably noticed yeah. her mom was a little bit of a monster when she decided humanity was, like, time to kill everyone. You know what I mean? Like, I... Yeah. Just the reactions are so clinically insane. And like, I don't... of amnesia. <laughs> that is the power of amnesia. <laughs> I just... No, but I mean, like, before. Like, in when they're explaining what happened oh, on, fair. you know, yeah. the D-Day or whatever... Like, that's what, that's the part of it that I really hate. Like, her dealing with her situation in the post-apocalyptic wasteland feels much more authentic in real life to me. Like, yeah, okay. She's, oh, like, yeah, really struggling yeah. right now and is emotionally vulnerable and has none of her memories and is so, therefore, put into a much more childlike state where her immediate reaction would be to submit to her mother and, like, like mom is the ultimate good. But, like... As a grown-ass adult who's been interacting with the world, you cannot tell me that she's not looking at her mom like we would look at our 50-year-old parents going, okay, mom, let me show you how to do the text messaging one more time. You know, like there's a level of exasperation that happens when your parents get to be out of touch or when your grandparents get to be out of touch or when friends of yours who are a couple of decades older That's than you start true. to kind of disconnect. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back just a little bit because the Amazons okay. are also very loyal. They're very, very loyal, uh, and it is a sisterhood, yeah. and they do stand with each other, and their lives were at risk. Their island was being yes. drowned out because of global warming from mankind, and so yeah. their entire country and culture were at risk, and so Diana would not turn her back on that, and she didn't because she was trying to peacefully do so. She, mm -hmm. though her mother when I read it, her mother was like, they're not to be trusted. And it turned out that was correct because then humans were like, fuck you. Here's some nuclear bombs. And that yeah. was absolutely soul crushing for Diana because I think Wonder Woman represents, or at least is treated as if she represents this naive belief that there is good in people. I mean, that's kind of, her story that's why i like her and that, that's why superman is so liked too is that there's this crowning prevailing just belief in goodness that that's what sets them apart and wonder woman is just one of them she is also practical in that she knows men are evil but she also is kind and that she loves everyone still and that's what sets her apart really from her mother and from the i guess 
up to my knowledge, the other Amazons, but you know, no, she would have probably pushed back against her mother, but I think at the same time, she would have prioritized her island surviving over beliefs. She would have wanted to stick with them to make sure that they lived and that they were able to continue on as a culture and a group of people. And that would have, but she would have tried to do it through peace. It was just her mother was like, eh, it's not going to work. And unfortunately, her mother ended up being right in the story. But I guess you're you're draining a little bit of the venom out of my immediate reaction to the subgenre to the trope, like because I was I think probably fueled a lot of my reaction to this. I was just like, oh, gross trope. Ugh. Um, yeah. But like, I really did like both Superman and Diana's sort of like, oh fuck, like the things that we're representative of are going completely crazy right now. Like they've just complete everyone's lost their goddamn minds, you know. Like so, I I did like that, like. Where Superman was like, shit, you guys, like, no. And Diana was like, shit, you guys, like, no. <laughs> and then, like, there was this huge clash, Ooh. you know. Yeah. I like that. And that gets to the most I really epic did like reveal. That. Because, yeah, that the most epic reveal is that Wonder Woman and Superman fight. And Wonder Woman Bracers wins. off. Bracers off. She wrecks his shit. But what I remember about that conversation is even Superman fails to defend the greater good and goes to defend his family instead because one spare nuke was heading towards Kansas where his family was. And so he went to save them instead of helping her save the entire fucking Island. Mm -hmm. And so wonder woman is like dropping the braces and she wrecks him and destroys the world in the process. Y'all that fight scene was, I think one of the most emotional and beautiful reveals mm-hmm. of the story. Like that that entire fight scene and reveal is why I love Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Yeah, the, there's a wonderful scene where you see her bracers off trying to protect the island and you, she's just like surrounded by this, it looks like this cloud of nukes. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it's a very, like everything leading up to that fight scene is very hugely thematic, like huge, like, you feel like you're in a big screen situation. And I really 100% love the aesthetic of it. But I I wonder, now that I'm like looking at the art going through this again, if the thing that I hate is not so much the way that the Amazonians are portrayed, but like how their monsters are aesthetically, you know? Like the way that those gross things sort of mutated out of these Amazonians like in this weird like neon way I I don't know Mm -hmm. like something about that misses for me and I cannot really put my thumb on it but like maybe it's just this weird combination of the trope of the insane immortal the massive kaiju-ness of these things that have mutated out of these these immortal Amazons you know and I just hate it I hate that aspect of it that's fair. I've only read one other thing by Daniel Warren Johnson, and that was Murder Falcon. And mm-hmm. in that story, specifically, the monsters fed off of and were powered by, brought into creation even, by feelings of hate, self-doubt, by these really negative feelings. And if I borrow from that imagery of his previous work, One, I think the monsters are just how he draws monsters, frankly. Mm -hmm. 
but I I do think their mutation was partly the radioactivity, their sense of betrayal and hurt and anger and rage, but also the feelings that came from behind like the attack. You know? Like they, they it represents yeah. more than just what the Amazons were feeling and just the nuclear bombs. But it's also could just be just, that the aesthetic is just not your gig. So like Yeah. I mean like I, like literally the only aspect of this that isn't my gig is like the weird neon monsterness of it. Cuz I feel like if they were just like mute a little bit more muted tones, right? And I know that's kind of hard whenever you're dealing with mm. the post-apocalyptic everything's kind of muted. And you know, like yeah, going for the punch like I want bright pink neon monsters or whatever. But like part of that is what I think broke it for me, you know, like I don't know. Like the reds that feel very much like visceral like muscle tones and stuff made sense like sure but then they have like the bright yeah blue so that's a mike spicer complaint internalize that mike spicer (laughs) no i'm kidding don't (laughs) don't i mean no it's just it just that in combination with the tropes that it was like representative for me kind of led to me going uh this ain't it chief not for me no thank you and i i like the idea of there being these genetically like mutated things that you're fighting in this post-apocalyptic world. I have no problem with that. Like it's just something about the way that it happened, you know, like out of every, Mm -hmm. out of every mutation, the one that I loved the most was her uh, fencing partner, the the woman who taught her how to fight. Nubia? That, yes, that Mm -hmm. was amazing. The way that they caused her to mutate was my freaking favorite it felt like yes this is what i actually wanted from this you know and maybe it was like Mm -hmm. the scope was supposed to be different you know like some women like really leaned into that hate and therefore changed more often or whatever sure okay yeah but i don't know i'm softening on my initial dislike of the amazonians arc but I'm still not super thrilled with the way that all of them were done, you know, like just, it felt, it felt like it just pushed it a little bit too far for my suspension of disbelief. And like, that's a ridiculous thing to say in a situation like this, but it is totally something that I was like, "Mm, no, I liked it better when it. it was like a horrible reveal that this, this, this mentor was, you know, just as grossly changed by that experiences all of these other creatures but also like she didn't hurt that that monster that was there whenever they woke her up until that thing bit her ass like it bit her and then she killed it so like no fuck you like oh why are you killing us diana no y'all fucking bit me you know like go away like if you don't want to be killed don't bite a bitch you know like Mm-mm. That is fair. She did not draw first blood. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But that wake up scene was so great. Like the whole, I mean, like, honestly, that I think mm-hmm. that was maybe it was just so well developed in the beginning that that middle reveal just sort of fell a little bit flat for me. I was like, oh, that's the explanation they have for this. I mean, like it led to a really satisfying finale and this huge like. It was really satisfying, that third surprise, but that second surprise was just like a minor letdown and it kind of soured soured everything for me a little bit. And I, I hate that I'm so stuck on it, but I really, really was. I, I mean, like, I, 
I really did love it a lot. And I think maybe that's why I was so just like, so appalled that I didn't like that middle development, you know, like, cause usually when I like something, I'm like, I can find no fault. But this time I was like, I really love this. And I also very mad about it because I didn't a hundred percent love it. Like with all my heart. But I want to, I want to talk about the third reveal a little bit. And this reveal, like, I think messed me up the most. So I don't really know if this reveal was like hella pertinent to the plot. Like it explained a bunch of stuff and it, but what I thought was really pivotal about it was how it was such a fall for Diana, you know, like both at the time and then in the present when she realized what she did. If people don't want to hear what it is, uh, stop now. If you want to hear and hear our closing thoughts, then stay on. But I just want to give people the option. And here we go. <laughs> the way she killed Superman. Uh-huh. Holy shit. That, like, I think I love this book because of how violent and malicious and dark that was. Because that was such a phenomenal fall for her. I mean, she is wrecking him, gets him to the his isolation castle, and rams kryptonite through his chest. And it's just terrifyingly evil. And to be done by Wonder Woman, I was like, whoa. Like, the to say mildly, that's messed up, Diana. Like, that was messed up. And like the horror of that was just, that really rocked me how intense the entire situation was for her beforehand. I mean, she was trying to peacefully do this and then her entire, all of her peoples were destroyed. And this guy was like, sorry, I wasn't there to help Kansas. (laughs) She's like, what? And (laughs) murders him in a very violent, out of control way. But also, what messed me up about it a little bit was being able to look at kryptonite that wasn't like at hand. Like she had to disengage from the fight to go break it out and come back and then shove it through his chest. There is an intentionality behind that. That is dark. And I think I want to talk about that a little bit. When you see battles or when you hear about people fighting and they like go out of their way to use a weapon or to take an action that involves them leaving the fight because like she was nose to nose with superman and like walks maybe five feet away to get this kryptonite that was protected and on display and then bring it back over and shove it into his chest like that she knew what she was doing and that is terrifying because she was out of control before hand she was violent and destructive and just this chaotic massive energy but to do something so deliberate like she could have stopped herself at any time is where i'm going at getting at and like that i think is really terrifying about superheroes is that they can do so much destruction and they have so much self-control she was able to use enough self-control while she was destroying the world to kill superman in such a violent way i think that um is a really cool component to superhero stories when they go evil. Does that make sense? What I was trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you can see 
basically the moment they do a pretty good job of showing the moment when she just sort of lets all of the negative feelings that have either been suppressed metaphorically or intentionally through her taking the bracers you know because there was a moment Mm -hmm. when she accepts the bracers and like accepts that uh, limitation you know in order to interact with the world and you could see her like being real like nervous about taking off the kitty gloves and do it but she does it because she wants to protect her family and then fails and then projects all of that anger onto that motherfucker who was just doing the exact same thing that she was doing but also fuck him because he represents the people that did this to her people and you know even though both of them are sort of like figureheads for a thing that went away they didn't agree with you know it was still this huge release of all of these toxic things she's been just passively ignoring or actively suppressing you know through magic or intention or whatever in probably the unhealthy coping mechanisms of an immortal and then she just completely loses her fucking mind for a few minutes and i don't think it's like i think that the only thing that calmed her down was the reset button like literally i i do think that that stasis state that Batman ends up putting her in is the thing that gets her back to situation normal. Cause I don't think she would have gotten there without that timeout. I, I really do think that she had just flipped to the dark side for like, that was it. This is how you create the world's worst supervillain is you just have, you know, like that was her a hundred percent supervillain moment. Like, and they don't kind of portray it that way, you know, like they portray it like, Oh yeah, this huge emo- emotional outburst. But like looking at it and looking at, the things that she does, 100% think that, you know, like that intention, you know, that you're talking about, I don't know that that would have gone away without mm-hmm. the cool down that Batman gave her. Like, you know what, bitch? Like, I'm putting you on ice for a little either. bit because yeah. you need a timeout, <laughs> you know? And he was yeah. pissed, you know? Like, he was real mad at her. I don't think it was so much that she killed Superman that he was pissed off at. I think it was more like, I'm dying now and everything that I cared about has been destroyed. Like, I don't think he, I don't think Batman ever really gives two shits about Superman. Like, well, Batman represents all the humans. Like, yeah, he represents the mortals and he's just like, you guys fucking destroyed the world. And I'm so, which is what I thought was going to happen this whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, I fucking told y'all Superman would cause this. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think it'd be you, though. Like, yes, I trusted like, you to be a reasonable person. Reasonable. I kind of expected it. I always have contingency plans, which is why I'm able to put you on ice. But, like... <gasps> I'm so mad. I'm so mad. Did well, you have how, to do this while I was still alive? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, how pretentious is it, too? Like, if you if you take Batman out of whatever gross associations I put him in from the Dark Knight trilogy and all of that, you know, like, him being this massive corporate tool, billionaire shitheel, uh, separate him from the fact that he's got more money than God and chooses to wear fancy suits and, and fight low-level thieves with it. Like, just as, like, the metaphysical, like, representation of humanity, I like the underlying antagonism to the gods that he has like okay so you've got all these powers or whatever and you feel like you know what's best for us like fuck you you know like i really do like that aspect i've already figured out how to bring you down 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Like, he doesn't stand toe to toe with them, but I mean, he comes up with plans to bring them down and he stands with them. He stands side by side. I mean, he, Wonder Woman and Superman are the top fucking three of the DC verse. Like he has the, I think the absolute right to look in the eyes of the gods and laugh because mm-hmm. in it, I mean, Oh my God, I'm adding this whole new spin to superheroes in the DC world. Maybe I'm just now catching on to what other people already know, but like, it's a great relationship of how mankind can bring down the downfall. Like we can destroy you because we've created weapons and tools to stand with you. And it's a very precarious balance. And anyway, oh man. I don't want to, I don't want to read a lot of nuclear armament stuff though. Cause honestly it just bums me out. Like the mad mutually zero deception, like all yeah. of the like Watchmen era comic books and stuff are just, a, they're just such a bummer. You know, and like there's just so much it, of a drag, and I'm really glad that this focused on like the body horror and the emotional horror of somebody who mm-hmm. wasn't who they thought they were, you know, or wasn't who it, they were trying it's kind to be of, when it mattered. Oh, what's the quote from the scientist after they tested the nuclear bomb? Oppenheimer said, Now I am become God, the destroyer of worlds. That was not something said in pride, I believe. That was something he said in horror after watching the test of the atomic bomb because oh and i got the quote wrong anyway now i am become death the destroyer of worlds that's what it is it's not it it was not a good thing and it is to talk about this in the form of nuclear nuclear armament it does sound like we're kind of watching the oppenheimer moment yeah but i'm glad it didn't focus so. on that i mean a hundred percent i'm glad like yeah, yeah okay man is their own downfall sure but like the focus was more on the horror of not being who your best intentions would make yourself you know Mm -hmm. like i i want to be this best Mm -hmm. representation i failed the people that i care about and then i failed the thing that i aspired to be and then i also did a lot of bad shit while i was failing really badly so i mean I don't know. I like that aspect of it a lot more. And I think I think that has so much characterization pushing it. You know, like there's so much going on there that's just pushing it along. And then like in contrast, and I'm sorry, I'm saying this again, but in contrast, it makes the Amazon feel really 2D in the way that humankind had become 2D. But like it's more offensive mm-hmm. because that 2D-ness is now they're the 2D monsters. And they're so important to that emotional growth for Diana and that emotional like fallout for Diana that it seems like they needed a bit more justification. They needed a bit more than just a few panels of my island is sinking, you know, like, cause there's other things they could have, mm-hmm. they could have done more instead of just to where it is then because they, they fucking knew that that wasn't going to go well. Like, <laughs> You know, like, I, yeah, I don't, everyone knew that was a bad idea. Like, And I think that's part of that, why that mutually assured destruction is not a fun story, because I'm not even sure how to convey my philosophy on this, but it, it's one of those, like, I do think about, I'm well, at least I'm thinking about now how, like, this other line from Oppenheimer in some sort of crude sense, which no vulgarity, no humor, no overstatements can quite extinguish, he said two years after the Trinity explosion, the physicists have known sin, and this is a knowledge which they cannot lose. 
Like that's almost a message of Diana's growth in a weird sense to kind of keep with the nuclear arms race. There was this escalation of war and violence that dehumanized both humans and the Amazons. It just happened that we pity the humans because despite the Amazons being the greater victim, because they're completely transformed, they are transformed into monsters, which is a complete simplification of the matter. So when you're talking about them being 2D, it's like, yeah, it really is unfair that this, for me at least, it's unfair that this entire situation is now just like, all right, well, you've got monsters and people who still look like people. Like, Mm-hmm. but who's the real monster like exactly yeah I, I i really do think too that now that you're like talking about the nuclear armament and and all and the mutually assured destruction aspect of it made me think of you know it's like in that situation where you're at a stalemate and any like show of force or violence is going to push you over the edge into a big bad ending but by not doing anything your side of it is slowly dying or being lost you know like indigenous peoples are now dealing with with global climate change and stuff like it really does paint those people in a very negative light just by default of the narrative because they're the ones pulling the trigger you know but what's their option immediate death or slow death you know or like slow destruction of everything that they've ever loved or cared about and i don't yeah and i think that is really the root of how offended i was by how they became the ultimate bad guy because i don't feel like that's actually the narrative i don't feel like you know like if human beings get to through generations of distance from this thing get to be back to this baby state of not knowing what they did because these people didn't actually do anything they're just the byproduct of what happened you know like the amazons don't get that same treatment because they are the immortals that were actually going through that and they were the ones who were like fuck this like like not doing anything isn't solving isn't solving our problems and you know like why don't we see how you like not having a world you know and by virtue of the fact that they've yeah. been around forever and stuck in that trauma they don't get they don't get that same absolution and then in the end diana has to kill them like, I think that's bullshit. Like, I 100% hate that. And I love everything else about this. You know, like, I I really do think that this is, like, one of those things that I love that I'm going to also have. I have so many feelings about this. And, you know, it's a good story when it triggers that much, like, how much, like, yeah, just gut yeah. emotion from you. I've We've read comics that I've been like, yeah, okay. You know, but in red, like, but in contrast to that, I'm very much like, no, these fuckers like ruin the Amazons for me. I'm real <laughs> mad about it. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I get it too, and it, it kind of makes me wonder why it was done. You know, was this all? Was this all just Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spencer or Spicer, not Spencer, Mike Spicer, or did DC kind of come in and be like? Eh, you know, you still have to have humans win because our readers are human. Is there even, were people even thinking about the things that we're thinking about? Do they even care? You know, like that kind of grander scheme. Like, are we just like jackasses who studied a little bit too much global history and are like, maybe it's not okay (laughs) to drop nuclear bombs on people. 
And maybe not everybody yeah, cares like... enough to have an opinion one way or the other. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm really kind of curious where we like fit in with all of that and what people might think, but it, it did. Do you think feel, we're overreacting? And I, I felt this way about, no, no, I don't. I think <laughs> like, you know, when they talk about how the apple is sometimes just an apple mm-hmm. in literature, like we're just talking yeah. about a comic book in the same way people discuss the pur- purpose of the color blue, right? Like we're just talking about the imagery and the greater implications of a story. And also having one of those conversations about something that might later be one of those, like you shouldn't read this because it's problematic, but we're looking at it and we're going, it's this quality story at the same time, you should think really critically about what's being implied in the story. But like, this is yeah quality because it's getting you to think. Like, instead of just mm-hmm. dismissing it as like, oh, this is really easy. You're like, you actively like it because it's really well designed. And I loved the dialogue. And the impl- like the events that happen in the book are like really solid plot points, you know? Even if they're yeah. maybe not handled in the best way. Like, it's... And that's where we as readers can be like, oh, man, Daniel, you did. You did good. But like, I'm going to think about your book a lot. And I'm going to talk about the implications of your book a lot. Um, And mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Daniel to be like, your ethics and morals imply this one thing or the other. Because part of being a writer is creating characters and situations that reflect, that don't always reflect what you believe in. Right, because there is also the fact that it's a job and you do have to publish works to get paid, right? It's not like- Yes, yes. So I am not reflecting this on Daniel at all, but it is something that I, I would go to him and be like, this was really fucking good. At the same time, I'm critical of your story, <laughs> like, but not the con. You know, it's just- So no, we're yeah. not overthinking this. We're just participating in the regular literary tradition- of overthinking what the apple represents. But it's about global warming and nuclear armament. (laughs) Yeah. I think when it comes to what we're doing, I like the idea of it being like the, like the artist portrayed somebody taking a bite out of an apple and there being a worm in it. And we're like, what does the worm represent? You know, like we're, it's not so much the color blue. It's more like there's this setting that is used to describe the character and to show the character growth and how they would react to these extreme situations like the worst case scenario what would wonder woman do um and what would superman do and like what does that mean about you know like the the spiritual gods that we've created for ourselves in these comic books throughout the generation uh, throughout the decades and god this I, i fucking sound so pretentious right now i'm so sorry but do it it implies things about the secondary and tertiary characters and the monsters that develop from that situation. And I don't think that necessarily I can say that the artist fully was thinking about that because a different conversation that happens in comic books is like between issues, we have months to be like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Like this is something Doc Tora talks about a lot. Like, oh yeah, I have a few months between point A and point B to go oh shit yeah like this is this is how that would be best resolved for all of the persons and they have a week you know like so they don't have the time as artists to really develop all of 
these overarching themes that they're creating like a lot of like you know I'm not saying that they're thoughtless about it but there is a lot that they don't have the time and the space and the breadth to deal with when they're making and creating these comic books like the whole way that the industry works sets them up for there being a lot out there that's ambiguous that other people are going are going to use and and reflect things as prisms through like they they don't have complete control over that and i don't think any artist really does and the artists that do the most worrying about that are the ones who have the least production and you can't do that as somebody who's trying to make a living so i mean i'm not whenever i'm critical of this i'm not saying that they're evil people you know they they might be there's a lot of evil people out there that are creators yeah, i'm not saying that they're not <laughs> But I, I, you know, like, I'm not saying even that they're at fault for not 100% thinking through all of the implications of the tertiary characters and their arc. I'm just saying that whenever I read it, because of the history that I have and the things that I care about and the way that I view the world, I really had a visceral reaction to the way that that was handled, you know, and, and because of the things that I'm trying to be conscious about when I'm reading and interacting with comics in particular and literature and movies as a greater whole, you know, like trying to really be a conscientious consumer of these products. I, I was real put off by how the Amazons were dealt with and like the hand that they were given. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, like I sound so pretentious sometimes whenever I get hooked into these, but it's really just, I'm doing my best guys. I'm just doing my best. No, you definitely have a perspective that I didn't have reading it. And I I think I took it more at a distance in the sense of there were just great evils being done and like felt from both sides. Like it was an escalation of that mutually assured destruction. And, you know, my, I, I, focus less on what it meant for the humans and the Amazons and more just on what the narrative met, meant for Diana and the idea that humans and Amazons were escalating because they had this just presumptive fear of the other and Diana being the only bridge was like, no, but the other groups chill y'all and had no control over the situation and it escalated. So for me, it was like, I focus less like the idea for me was that both of the groups were just background noise to Diana's situation. So your perspective just adds more depth for me. So I, I welcome it. Like I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I feel like your perspective was more what the artists were going for. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like that was the intention because they did that so solidly and well. And it was so the beats were all true there for the main characters. You know, like I'm not. Yeah, like I, I really do believe this is a good story. I just <sighs> had the problems with it that I had. And I'm really glad that I was able to talk to you about it because like you focusing on the more like the actual plot <laughs> gave me a little bit of like space to be like, all right, why did I react so strongly to that? Because I did react very strongly and I was not quite sure what it was that set me off so badly, but I was like, Oh God, I yeah. love this, but also I hate it. And it's just a weird feeling whenever you're used to just sort of like, you know, growing up, I just 
hundred yeah. percent fell in love with things and they they could do no wrong, you know? Like so it's weird growing up and developing your style as a consumer nuance. of products and starting to become <laughs> critical of the nuance of the creations you enjoy. Yeah, it's real <laughs> Yeah, being an adult sucks sometimes. Yeah, know, I <laughs> Yeah. But e- even in my experience talking to you, I it did make me kind of look back and go, you know, there were some beats that felt less in um that felt a bit more disingenuous and you kind of flesh that out for me. So beforehand, like I liked this book because it's not like a happy, perfect book. Like there's, I like it for its mistakes and for the things that happen in it. And it's a, I think that's also a weird place to be at such a weird stance to take. It's like, I like this book because it sucks and it it doesn't suck. Like, but (laughs) That idea in general, you're like, I like this because it's not perfect, I think is one that maybe some people struggle with. Like, this is an imperfect thing, talking about an imperfect story, a story that could go a multitude of ways because of just conscious decisions made of characters. And you can't, like, capture all of them in one situation, you know? So it's like, it's just a perspective on it. Yeah. Where all the characters decided to make bad decisions, so. <laughs> decided to. That gives them so much agency when I feel like this was like, yes. the point of this was that they okay. didn't have very the much. The writers did it. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I feel like they did have agency, it, but in terms of like they were a slab, they were portrayed as slaves to their emotional, you know, situations. Yes. Which I like. Yeah. I like that in a story. I really do appreciate emotional, imperfect characters like i really i think i think perfection is boring and speaking of that i like this superman probably the best out of all of the supermans that i've interacted with which are very low mind you mostly movies and tv but i've always been of the of the opinion that he's kind of boring because he's not more morally gray and like him being still basic good like default lawful good you know but still Mm -hmm. being an interesting character in this was real fun for me. I liked Superman sort of the best out of this. Kind of like kind of like I like Batman the best out of this. And boy god, isn't that the truth though? Every DC interaction that I've really enjoyed has been because Wonder Woman brings out the best in all of the characters around her. So really DC, what you should be doing is making Wonder Woman the freaking heart and soul instead of like relying on these other characters to to do that for you because she does have the most emotional depth of all of these characters and she does bring out the emotional depth out of the characters that are associated with her so yeah that's the the story is it should have been not batman versus superman it should have been wonder woman deals with batman and superman shit and that should have been (laughs) instead of the snyder cut (laughs) like give me that cut instead it's like it's like when a there is that really brief phase of Harry Potter books from Hermione's perspective. (laughs) Yes! uh, Way better. Hot take. Hot take. (laughs) Yeah, fewer Bat books, more Wonder Woman books, please. We have talked a lot and that always means it was a good time for us. (laughs) And it usually means we disagreed and I think that's... Well, we didn't disagree, we countered each other a lot and i think that's really cool when that happens too thank you for joining us everybody yeah
Thank you. If you like what we do here, please consider following us on Facebook and Twitter and all of the things. We're on Spotify and YouTube and iTunes. Oh my. And we have a link tree that Aaron's really good at sharing on all of the platforms so you can find us wherever it works for you best. Also on the link tree is a link to our Kofi. And boy, howdy, if you guys like us enough to help us host this thing and, you know, show us your appreciation by buying us a comic, that really does mean the world to us. You know what else would mean the world to us, though? Probably more so than money. We have a contact page that we just discovered, and I'm really desperate for somebody to send us a letter and interact with us and tell us what they like, what we could do better, you know, how all of this made you feel. I've heard from a couple of different people that they don't like listening to us because they want to talk back to us and then they can't because we're recorded. And there is a way you can, you can talk back to us. I would love a beat by beat response to all of the points that we raise, like typed out in an email. Like, so if you want to talk to us and make this experience even more joyful for yourself, please do. I love it. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I'm on, the, I run the social media, hit a girl up. I will, I will be, right. I will, I will respond to those emails, people. I'm not even kidding. Aaron will forward them to me and I will respond. Hell yes. Gladly. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Bye. Judge <laughs> <laughs> <Dredge> noises. <laughs> I'm going to Google it real quick. Tap, 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 tap.